0: This is Papa Smurf. You're listening to Our Lifestyle, the podcast with ODB and the Mayor. Yo, 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 it's ODB, and I want to let everyone know before we jump into this episode, a big thank you to Scraping the Coast, the team behind Custom Car Show Productions. It's going to be an amazing 20th anniversary. They're lining up awesome vehicles already to showcase at one of the biggest, baddest shows in the country. It's June 24th, 25th, 26th in Biloxi, Scraping, that's Scraping with an in, the Coast big ups to the family we hope to see you out there much more to come on this famed show also don't want to forget about mini truck showdown family their next event on paper is going to be february of 2023 and that is going to be out there in bakersfield california so much more coming on kern county showdown keep it tuned to olp and thank you so much to our title sponsors Big ups, we'll see you at Scraping the Coast in less than two months. Yo, 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 it's ODV, our lifestyle podcast, and we are on our first week of uh, a break, so to speak, and we're still going to bring you this episode, which, believe it or not, is thanks to Tim in NC Florida for the idea. We're going to run possibly every other week through the summer, we'll see how far I, I, I can go with it, but... We're going to do some throwbacks, or um, also known as best of episodes. And this is from episode way back, episode 39, Air Syndicate. This was back in August of 2017. We were just uh, a couple of years in, really almost to the date. And we were only on episode 39 featuring Craig Frazier, Air Syndicate. Of course, uh, partnered up with Cal Concepts. Uh, for many, many, many years, so uh, let's get ready to jump into it, and again, uh, if you're just following us for the first time, we've been about three and a half years straight of every Friday. This year, we announced last episode, it's summertime, and with that being said, we're going to go bi-weekly, which is going to be fantastic for us. Uh, I had my, uh, my nephew's graduation this week, which was awesome, we've got his graduation party this weekend. The biggest news that we had since our last episode was Steve Stilwell passed away. Rest in peace to the OG. If you think about trucking, mini trucking, street trucks, and so many other contributions, we can't thank him enough for what he's done over the course of time for our truck scene. He really left his thumbprint. I will uh, be doing the best I can to pull together a tribute episode for Steve. Steve had agreed a couple times to come on the the podcast. We just never really aligned and nailed down a time. And it's very unfortunate because I ran across some of the questions that I had typed up uh, for Steve and we're lucky that he was on the West Coast Influence. I went back and had rewatched that the other day, and Steve was just an amazing figure, and I know his friends and family – colleagues, people that worked with him a long time, like McCormick, Brian McCormick, you know, they're obviously grieving through this process, so we want to give them that time. But just know that Steve, again, left an amazing thumbprint on this scene, and we really wouldn't be where we are today if you think about the publications that he worked for, the work that he put in, the passion more than anything that he had. So um, I wish that I had a chance to meet him. I read so many of his editorials, and I just say rest in peace, man. We want to thank Scraping the Coast, you heard at the top, for all the continued support. We're less than a month away to the 20th anniversary. Although Greg is no longer with us, uh, his daughter and his wife Tammy and, and of course, Lauren, they're doing an amazing job carrying on that tradition with the Custom Car Show Productions team. We'll see out there in a few weeks, Biloxi, Mississippi, that uh, third weekend in the month of June. It's the weekend before Fourth of July weekend, so uh, we appreciate everyone for the support. Thank you for allowing us to to kind of take a little bit of a break and kick back with our families. Thanks to Tim for NC Florida. He said, "Yo, Jay, ODBZ, you can't break the streak. The streak, and it's not that we you know we might break it in two weeks. We'll have to see, but this got us to literally that three point five years straight, every Friday, not a weekend missed, not a week missed, rather." And uh, we, again, thank everyone for always listening, supporting us. Hit up lifestylepodcast.com to buy some merch. We appreciate you all. It's the shortest intro ever. ODB, we got gotcha. you. Podcast. You already know. And we've got a special guest. We've got Craig from CalConcepts slash Air Syndicate. He is a legend in the game. I know he's not going to want me to say that, but Craig, man, how's it going? Thanks for coming on.
1: It's going good, man. You can you can use a legend term. Just don't use it on my wife. She'll just bust out laughing. Yeah. So,
0: uh... <laughs> 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 you know, that's so funny. We've had a lot of like what I call OGs on. You know, we had Sean Mahaney on recently and I know like you guys on right. the West Coast really kinda of go back. I mean, an awesome error. So we really have some cool questions for you and we like I said, we appreciate your time. But I wanted to really start off no with problem. Yep, cool. I wanted to start off with, you know, you're when I think of, you know, what you've done in, in your portfolio, you're an amazing talented artist. But uh you just don't paint, you also draw can you give us a little background on how and when you got started into art? Like, was that at a very young age?
1: Um, I, I was always drawn as, as a young kid. My parents both were very artistic uh, in their own way, uh, different mediums, uh, mostly oils and acrylics. And then, so I was always encouraged to draw. I never viewed it as a career choice. I always viewed it as something I was, I was pretty good at. And, it, and when I was younger, I used to just decorate the cover of my peachy in school to the point where I started actually selling uh, custom painted or custom drawn out, sketched out peachies. And I, my my medium of choice was pen and ink, and uh, and I started doing colored pencils from that, and then some of the, the different you know pens that came out at the time. But mostly, never really thought of airbrushing, just viewed viewed the the as you know, illustration techniques, and, and I never thought of it as something I could do for a living. I was always more interested in computer science and music at the time, oh, wow. and uh, there was there wasn't even a computer science major back then. In fact, my to date, me when I first went into Cal State and computer science, it was a math major with a computer science strength and the first year I was there we had we were working with punch cards so wow. that that dates it back then you know learning the you know, old you know fortran 77 and cobol and pascal but mostly on punch cards so going in that was my introduction into college was mostly computer science with a minor in math i mean with a minor in music and then uh, went from there to aeronautical engineering at lternol college in Longview, texas got my associate degree there transferred to cal poly where i got my bachelors in architecture and finished up my architecture degree at the University Independenza in uh, Firenze, Italy. And so, wow. I throughout the whole area, I never really took a class in art. But the irony is, the way I put myself through college was pretty much by airbrushing, whether it be doing illustrations, renderings for magazines, doing work for professors, uh, doing renderings for their uh, their books or their periodicals, and then even doing nightclub murals, <clears throat> wall murals, and, and even um, textile, you know, clothing designs stuff mm-hmm. when I was in. In Italy, I did a lot of nightclub painting and t-shirt design when I was over there. And when I came back, I continued uh, doing it and was working as a as an architect and uh, as a consultant for some different designers. And then at the same time, on the weekends, coming back to Bakersfield, where at that time my girlfriend lived, uh-huh. and uh, and working and started working with Cal Concepts with Dion. And just on the weekends, and that was wow. back in '92 when I moved back to the United States. So I, uh, you know. That's really where people want to know where Syndicate started. It actually started in Italy because my, my the guy I worked for would always make a joke about, uh, he always referred to me, my company and myself as Sindicato di Arago. So he always would basically syndicate of air you know, airbrush syndicate because ah. he always make jokes. There was no other, there was no other airbrushers in the area because you know, we always made little jokes like yeah yeah we got rid of them. <laughs> uh, but I, I took that and syndicate of the just a little bit long and airbrush syndicate sounded lame. And at that time uh, it was kind of funny because I picked up I just came up with the name air syndicate and also wrote down syndicate air mm-hmm. and literally DBA both of them just in case. And it was literally a complete coincidence uh, that uh, their local car club uh, in Bakersfield, because I wasn't living here at the time. Mm -hmm. I was living on the coast, but I would come here and it was syndicate minis and compacts. It just started about not much more than a year or two before that. I think these started in 1990, I think. And so I hooked up with Louie and all the guys over there with them and uh, started doing their window designs. And by the time, you know, Come ninety three, ninety four, ninety, you know, ninety percent of all the vehicles that were Syndicate Minis and Compacts were done by me. So everyone would either make the assumption that it was my club, (laughs) or that I was just their airbrush artist. And it was just, it was, which it it was kind of funny, and it worked out. It worked out pretty good. I never, never complained about it, but I never actually was a member of Syndicate. uh, But I pretty much painted all their stuff, and still, I would say probably some of the best hood murals. And there was not a club, even to this day, there's not a club that's that was as hardcore as those guys were when it came to just dominating shows. Even though they were only really around for a very brief amount of time, um, you know, less than really a decade, they were, they were, uh, but hey, you know, some of the best things don't last that long. And, uh, and that was, uh, that's what they're all known for. You know, one of the last uh, major cars in that club was of course the last look, you know, and people remember that one.
0: That is, man, uh, I was trying to take some notes there and mentally I'm living in the moment and I'm like, wow, I mean, great history. And I mean, from a business owner and as an artist, wow, what a like I said, a portfolio, you got a really an awesome resume, dude. I mean that Craig. Um, now Craig Thanks. Frazier, you know, has given us a little bit of insight there into like the beginnings of Air Syndicate. So I think that's pretty cool. Now you also have Craig Fraser studios. It's uh Craig and then F R A S E R com, And it's really filled with yes. paint tips, blog entries, uh, events, and even items that, you know, that you, that customers can purchase. Did you ever, you know, think yeah. as a child growing up that you would, you know, you kind of alluded to it, but you know, you're making a career and you're living off custom painting. I mean, how awesome is that?
1: No, it is. I, I, um, it works out really good for me because I don't like working. So, and <laughs> I always say, you know, if you you find something you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Yes. Uh, is what the adage is. And uh, I, I tell a lot of my students uh, that they really should focus. You know, even you know airbrushing is great. Art is great because it is a fantastic hobby. But at the same time, you can monetize this hobby. You know, uh, my in my uh, opinion, the definition of the best hobby is one that you can monetize. Because usually you don't do hobbies because you hate them. You do them because you love them. Right. And many people, of course, don't want to make money for their hobby because they're going to kind of go that Bobby Jones route where they want to stay amateurish. They want to, you know, the love of the hobby. They don't want to ruin it with money. And I, I don't think it's money that ruins things. It's the way it's your perspective. Um, what I do for a living is literally my living is my hobby and vice versa. I've had people say, well, if you're not painting, you know, when you're not painting, what do you do? I go, I paint. And they're like, yeah, but you got to have a break. I go, well, I paint my stuff.
0: <laughs> you you know, I don't paint
1: your stuff. I don't, I, I don't have to talk to you. I don't answer my phone. I paint my things. I do my stuff. I really don't have any, I mean, you know, the other activities I do besides drawing, painting, tattoo, it's always tied in with something, whether it be interior design, it be murals, somehow painting, just sketching, logo designs, product development. I do a lot of product design work, which is great because it gets my, that engineering background I had. Um, It it really finds a use for that and I did have, I still do have a lot of love for engineering and and especially reverse engineering or concept uh, design and innovation so I'll, I'll work with companies on existing products and make them better or I'll come up with an idea I can develop to another company. That's probably the only thing I do that's not comes down to drawing but I approach it in the same way, I approach it in the same creative way. I also work with companies on developing productivity. Like I'll work with a company I've worked in the past with Trek, and we I worked with them on developing a way that they could uh, create a custom paint job on their assembly line that looked like it was hand done,
2: wow. and
1: yet yeah, it was, but but it was done on their assembly line. I've also worked with uh, Harley Davidson uh, through a company called Platinum One over here on the, the the West Coast that does a lot of their custom paint work, and I worked with them the exact same way, kind of. Um, Reverse engineering some custom paint jobs, but making them so they were what we could call limited uh, edition, custom or limited production. So we take advantage of the hmm. custom look, the custom quality, yet the uh, production ability, so that these remain cost effective. Wow. And that's something I like to do. Now, me personally, I don't like I don't like doing production. I don't like I don't. You know, you know some people think that seeing like 50, you know sets of, of tanks or 50 guitars hanging up getting ready to be painted the same is like nirvana that for me is a living hell i'm not into that now i love helping someone else with it you know it's like got i it. i will come up with oh, ways man. of doing it but um one of my clients for the last 15 20 years is fender guitars and i do a lot of work for fender jackson and Charvel, mostly wow. jackson and i do guitars for them every year now matter of fact i've got a booth at nam uh the last two years So this upcoming year i'll have one there too and we, we focus in that booth on the paint work I do on the guitars and even on drums, as well as the materials, the paint that I use. I actually work with a company. And I develop the paint. And then also the spray guns and the systems that we use is a company I work with called Iwata. And I work with them on, uh, you know, not I don't really invent airbrushes, but I'll work with them on developing better airbrushes or fine-tuning the ones they have and uh, to, to what's best for this industry. And then at the paint company I work with is Cratex. I also work with Hospital and a number of other companies, but the one I develop actual products with is Createx lately. Wow. So that's another thing I do on the side. But it is all it is all tied in with the artwork. But if you ask me when I was a kid what I wanted to do, um, I I just wanted to, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be James Bond, and I wanted <laughs> to be Captain Kirk, and I wanted to be all the stuff I watched on TV. I wanted to be Rod Serling. I mean, I was a weird kid, but I never really had a specific goal. And I never, and it's really funny, I never thought of airbrushing our artwork I didn't start airbrushing until the 80s, but I didn't, I didn't think of artwork as a career. And the reason I didn't think of it that way is not because I didn't believe in my ability of it. It just didn't seem like what work was taught to me to be. Gotcha. Work was something you had to punch in, you had to go do, you had to train for. It wasn't fun. You could be passionate about it, but it was something you had to do and you finished on Friday and started again on Monday. Gotcha. And if you think about, you know, I know, I'm 52 years old, my age, that is the tail end of that that ethic where you know uh, things have changed drastically because of the internet and and the way people view work but
0: um well that
1: but th- that's just you know that's just something that that you have to like you know it's, it's every era is different you know every every age is different you know everyone's going to look at, at at their work at it differently and so with me it never really i never really thought it was now kids nowadays can really do anything yeah uh, my my son my son i always think man my son's so much more imaginative than i was (laughs) it's not that he's more imaginative it's that he's got more opportunities and because of that whenever you have more choices you will become more creative so i think of myself as you know i've had people say oh my god you're really creative and and that's a compliment i take it very but i also work very hard at it and i think of myself man man if i was if i was my son's age right now and I think everyone does at to an extent. You know, man, I wish I knew what I knew then.
0: Yes. You know, now, back then. Yes.
1: Uh, I, I would take much more advantage of it. But, uh, you know, I think right now that people are always are saying, yeah, the opportunities aren't there today. No, they are. There's still so, the, the, the Internet though it, you could say bad things about it, it, is really increased the choices and opportunities for creativity beyond anyone's scope of imagination.
0: Yeah, well, my mind is blown right now because when I think of how, you know, I always refer to it as hustling, man. When you're out there hustling, you're working hard. Uh, Today's actually the 19th anniversary. I've, I've worked at the same company since I graduated high school. And, you know, I think about, wow. you know, you go out there and you hustle, you hustle. and But for you, you've really been able to, Kind of basically puts your hands in a lot of different pots, you know, and that's a good thing because you haven't backed yourself. No, it's necessary. Into a world, you know,
1: no, it's necessary. I one of the things that people I had I, I recently, someone was asking me what my core values were,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was an interesting, it was an interesting discussion we had on, on core values. And I said, well, well, one of them's integrity and loyalty and continuity and creativity and innovation, but uh, but the other, but one of the ones I pointed out was diversity. And the, the diversity thing is, is having, you know, use that old adage, you should always have, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, that's a good, whether you're a stockbroker or a custom painter, uh-huh. that's a good thing to keep in mind. Because, uh, yeah, there, there may be one thing that's hot and heavy, you know, but it, it's not going to be that way forever. And when I mention, it, I go, hey, just, just prepare. And they're like, why? I go, well, everything eventually goes south. It's, you know, it's apathy. It's the law of apathy. It's the way things happen. Things have a lifespan. These, you know, some things live longer than others. Some things go a long time. You know, there's trends and there's fads. And then there's things that are like classical elements of, the, of design that last forever. But when it comes to being a painter, if you only focus on one thing, you better hope that lasts. And the odds are it won't. So you always want to have more, more baskets and more, you know, divvy you up your eggs in those baskets. So I've always done that naturally not, you know, for two reasons. One of them, I don't trust any one thing to last long <laughs> enough. And secondly, I've got a serious attention span issue. I, I I, I there's not one thing I want to do over and over again. So I love it when things disappear or not become as popular because it's sometimes, usually it's coincidentally when I'm tired of them also. So that's I'm always so looking, smart. you know, w- when I find something that's really cool or I think it's cool, sometimes I think it's cool and no one else does. And then that's just mine. It's not for the public, but sometimes I come up with something that, the industry really digs and it takes off and does really well and, and I'm stoked on it. But at that point, I don't really keep on working it to perfect it. I'll go on to do something else and let the industry work on that. There's people out there that their goal, their 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 their, their true talent is to take ideas and make them really work. Um, you know, Alexander Graham Bell didn't design the best phone. He just invented it. He was the first one to get it out there. Uh, the same thing when it comes down to Edison, you know, uh, the, the the best, you know, the best light bulb wasn't necessarily his. It was just the first. So uh, very rarely do you find innovative, uh, you know, creative individuals are usually not the ones that also develop the most efficient or the most productive, worthy product. And that's fine. That's a, that's a completely different talent. So. That's why I have no problem when people say, "Oh, this, this guy's one of your students and he's doing that better than you." I'm like, "Good."
2: Yeah, wow. I don't, you know,
1: I, I, yeah, I have a lot of students that, in many respects, are much better at me at things I taught them. Well, and people think that's strange. I go, "Not really. Most football coaches can't keep up with any of their any of their athletes. <laughs> yes. But but, but, you're at, but those athletes, sure the heck, listen to their coach. And I view it in the same kind of respect, and same kind of way. There's things that I, I, I take a lot of pride in being good at. And uh, that has nothing to do with what other people think. That's just to do with me. So when I when I always tell people with diversity, I go, it, it's it's a form of self-preservation, and it'll 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 save you uh, from, you know, having all you know all your money on the table for one thing, and then you lose it when it's not popular anymore. But it also will save your sanity because. Uh, as an artist, you always hear about people with mental blocks or writers with writing blocks. Uh-huh. All those come down to is <clears throat> writing block or mental block is a form of self boredom. You've gotten to the point, it's like, it's like a repetitive stress injury of your brain. And you've done the same thing over and over again to the point where you're not challenging yourself anymore. And there all of a sudden you don't know what to do anymore because you've been doing the same thing over and over again. And you know, you're supposed, as an artist, you're not supposed to be comfortable. You're supposed to be literally on the edge, constantly worrying and wondering if you're going to screw up. Oh, 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 will this thing not be as good as the last one? That's <laughs> the whole key. People, people want to get to the point. Many say, well, I, I just want to get to the point where I'm, I'm comfortable and sitting there and holding court and I'm just the man. I'm like, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. And if it does for me, that's a living hell. Right. I, I, I always, I, I want to be challenged by the next best thing. I, you know, uh, you know, the, the newest thing out there, the not, not even not leading edge for everyone else, but something that just attracts my attention. Yeah, A good that's... example is well, you saw Craig Fraser Studios yes. was created um only about I think three years ago I put it together and I did it with um with the idea of going more towards the fine art industry and doing more prints. And I also started showing at some conventions, started going to some Comic Cons and I started doing what's called the Monster Paloozas which are these uh, like monster horror effects conventions. Uh-huh. Because of that, that hooked me up directly with the studios. And now I'm working with uh, Alchemy is a, is a studio in Burbank I work with. It's owned by Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page. They're, they're You're kind of known for Face Off, the show on TV. But what we're working on right now is a Star Trek Discovery. And I do work with them on some of the the um, the paintwork and some of the behind the set scenes set things, that, you know that you know whether it be Klingons or something else. So you know, some of the stuff I do with them, but I'm also working in the in the studio industry on developing new products, uh, paint and techniques for them. Wow. And that that ranges from not just Alchemy but also uh, Disney and some other things. So you can look at all this stuff. People say, well, so you're not doing Matrix? trucks <laughs> anymore? Oh, sure, we we just crank, we just we just. did did one uh, not too long ago we've got one in our shop right now so you know i'm doing that the same time so i I never stopped that's the one thing is there's nothing i ever did that i stopped i just might not do as much of and um i might not be doing as many like with with mini trucks i don't do as much uh uh, windows as i used to it doesn't mean i stopped painting the mini trucks you know and we we don't have as many of the two tones as we used to most of the stuff we're doing now we're just getting back to some of the crazy graphics so we kind of sit back and just watch it but even our shop, you know, with me and Dion, and, and he's the one that owns Cal Concepts, um, we, we always see trends that change around. You know, we're, we're the, also the official painter in town for Harley-Davidson. We do all the repairs, but also all the custom work for the local Harley-Davidson dealership. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that kind of stuff uh, that we're working with, um, th- th- those are the different eggs in the basket between me and Dion. We'll work on different product development. Dion works with me on developing some paint for the automotive industry and uh and that's a different basket that he's got some of his exits so you always want to be diversified you know i dude uh, i can't emphasize that enough that's probably the biggest secret that is shouldn't be a secret in the yeah. in, in 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 any creative industry
0: yeah and i thought you know i'm a very positive person i love um Just, you know, uh, reading and and just, you know, learning new things. But it's like when I talk with you, Craig, I'm like, dude, man, I want I want you to be my life coach, man. This is just awesome. Because I'm (laughs) telling you, I'm literally I'm just like blown away. I mean, it's really cool. Now to go back. I know you mentioned James Bond. I think if Ian Fleming was still alive, he'd be reading your books, man. I mean, because it's just dude, it's it's really cool. So now that's of...
1: that's like way over the top compliment I, I i i've always been a huge ian fleming fan whether it be the james bond or even even it was funny as a young kid i didn't even know ian fleming wrote chichi bang bang but i love Chitty bang bang as much as i loved james bond so yes uh i appreciate that that's a very very cool compliment you said there
0: yeah no problem Thank there you. was there was actually i watch a lot of you know different uh like uh, different shows on Discovery and stuff. And there was one, I forget if it was on TLC or if it was on history, but there was a pretty cool, like, hour or two segment that they aired the last two, couple years. And it I'll have to look it up if you haven't seen it, but it shows how he lived and maybe what was going on in his mind. And it was really cool, man, because I really am a, a huge fan. I don't own them all, but I'm a huge fan of the 007 series. And it's amazing that his work has, has lasted this long, you know?
1: Well, if you think about it, the reason and, and you can you can really figure out why it's lasted that long. It's not that difficult because um even though the stuff he wrote was fantastic. I mean, some of it was ridiculous. But it was based in reality. You have to realize Ian Fleming did work for the British Secret Service.
0: True. And, and that's so what I learned he, during that. He, that's a good point.
1: He was legit. You know, he was actually legit in there. You know, there's a reason that Kevin Costner always goes back to baseball movies whenever something else doesn't work out as good and why his (laughs) baseball movies are the ones truly beloved by him because he used to play, he used to play baseball. So when you truly know something, you don't have to act. When you truly know something, you've got a little bit of an edge. Um, I I use that even when I'm doing murals and when I'm doing artwork, I'll do research. Like I'm doing, uh, I also, I recently just last year uh, or a little over a year ago, I got signed by Disney. So I'm a licensed artist for Disney, but I'm also licensed, uh for acme and which means i'm an artist for lucasfilm i just finished doing a piece uh of, called bounty on bestman that's based on it's boba fett you know kind of chase the winning falcon to bestman from the empire wow. back and uh and then anyone that's interested in seeing that you can go check out acme archives online and just type in bounty on bestman or my name craig fraser and you can see the piece it's available online um the the, the reason i brought that up is i actually do research on these where i'm doing not just research on watching the movies, but i'll actually do research on the ship design and who designed it and and, and some stuff that didn't make the cuts in the movies mm-hmm. and at the same time with disney i did uh, I just recently did a piece the uh, fiftieth anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean, and I did a lot of research on on the original stuff that was in in the you know, in the Pirate, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean the attraction when I did the painting. You always want to do the extra research. When I did my murals on cars back in the day, people would make comments on all these little details you'd see for years later. I'm like, there is a lot of stuff that I do research on when, and I'll hide in the murals. And part of it is, of course, to add interest to it, to the mural. But a lot of it is for myself because I won't be interested. It takes me a while in some murals, and if I get bored halfway through, you'll see it. So I got to keep interest. So I always keep on adding things in.
0: That's awesome. And
1: uh, well, I used to. There's there's a magazine. It's called um, I think it's called High Life Magazine. And, yeah. and it or Highlights, not Highlight. That's Highlights. A different yeah. magazine. <laughs> yeah, I
0: was gonna say. <laughs> wait a minute.
1: No. I, no. I was going to say, yeah, not not every dentist office has High Life magazine right. or no, Highlights magazine right, is, is right. the magazine in the dentist office. And on the back of the magazine is the, you know, the find the bunny, find the comb, find the egg picture. And there's always some brat kid ruins it by using the ballpoint pen. <laughs> but there's always, you can, you have to look in the painting to find all the hidden stuff. As a kid, that was my favorite yeah, thing yeah, in the I know world what you're was about. that pictures. And I grew, and as I grew up. I also started noticing some of the work by Zap Comics, the cheap thrills posters, all this cool stuff that came out of the Grateful Dead and came out of like the studios that Zap Comics had. That that I then researched and found out that Zap Comics got its origins mostly from Ed Roth and his studios back in the day, and and Robert Williams who was the art director. And then one a lot of and so as I followed the stuff I liked, I followed those influences and then was able to mimic that. And so I started hiding things in my murals. And whether it be just my name or my company or I would hide something about the owner in there. And <laughs> uh, sometimes I'd let them know. Sometimes I wouldn't let them know. But it was it was always stuff that people years later would say, oh, I was looking at that mural. I never noticed this before. And that's cool when you have a person that's talking about a mural that you painted 20 years ago.
2: Yeah. That you
1: notice something in. It's even better when it's the guy that. Paid for it twenty years ago and just owned it that long, and he finally noticed something in it. So it's it, it's kind of that that's where it all came from. People always thought I was doing it just to be funny, or I was doing it to be a jerk, or just to you know kind of as a gimmick. No, it, it anytime you invest in learning or researching a, a a subject, it will always be better for it. So yes. it's a no-brainer. That, that you know that's that's the one thing I, I I know for a fact. Not as many airbrush artists do as I do. Damn. And that's because it's, they don't think it is fun. Honestly, for me, the research is, is just as, and that totally came from college. You know, having to do a lot of term papers, I do a lot of research. You get to the point where if you have to do something, you find a way of liking it. So I would make it almost like the research became like an investigation. It became a game. That's and so I'm always awesome. trying to find that one, trying to find that one bit of knowledge. You know, when I do a demonstration, then I do live demos at Disneyland when I'm airbrushing. And I did one recently on the Tiki Room. And I, really quick, was reading up on a bunch of stuff and a bunch of history on the Tiki Room. And it was great for the people there, but what was cool was that some of the cast members that knew this stuff were actually listening in and later were like, I didn't know that." And so wow. if I got a cast member from Disneyland that I'm telling them stuff about Walt Disney and the Tiki Room from the 50s that they didn't know, then I, I – okay, I won. Yeah, That's, yeah, exactly. that's like <laughs> the, hit. That's the ultimate – yeah, and, and, cool. and I get a kick in that because it's not, you know, with art, it's, you know, especially with Disney, it's not just the painting. It's the presentation. It's the wrapping. It's the painting. It's the story. It's the person.
0: It's yes. the bio. Well, here's it, you
1: know Walt bu- oh, no. built it all on that. It wasn't just one thing, it was everything. It's a lifestyle.
0: Yes, and one thing I was going to mention, because uh, like I said, I'm, this, I'm really thoroughly enjoying this interview. The A uh, few years ago, oh, and yeah, man, thank you. And a couple years ago, I remember, and I just Googled it. So did you hear a few years ago, Andy Warhol, they had found like a floppy disk, and it had um, some early 80s, like it was computer-generated uh, art. Basically, but yeah. they had to get someone to almost not decode it, but it was, you know, think about it. You don't have a floppy drive, you know, just sitting around, but they were able to to, to pull that off. And it, it's just amazing when you think about like digital archaeology almost, right? I mean, imagine Indiana Jones in, the, in today's environment. But it's really neat because to your point, it's like maybe he did that thinking, man, would someone unlock this like 30, 40, 50 years later, you know, or, or however many years, you know?
1: Uh, war- Warhol was an interesting dude uh the, the you know the, the problem is is that there's it depends on how you've studied him if you've studied his artwork if you studied his history if you if you're still sadly uh, you, you talk about warhol and most people just know him from from the basquiat the movie you know or what little they've seen in in, in, in uh you know pop culture uh-huh. and he, he he was he was ahead of his time on quite a few things you could argue the quality of the artwork that's subjective if you don't like his work that's that doesn't mean he's not an artist people didn't like cubism doesn't mean picasso wasn't good uh but with warhol he he, he would always You he, he never really could quite be sure because he was the kind of person who would do some really weird things and one of them would would just really take off and you'd be like he <laughs> meant that and of course he meant that but he also meant all the other things too that didn't take off so the fact that, you know, years after he's gone, they're still digging up and finding new things. And, I mean, heck, he just found out that Alice Cooper had a Andy Warhol rolled up in a tube that he didn't know he even had for the last 30 years.
0: Wow, that is insane.
1: <laughs> it was just a poster, but it was a really rare poster. And the only reason he got it is his girlfriend purchased it because uh, Cooper used to use an electric chair on stage. And it was an electric chair that Warhol did a limited number of prints on and it was a print, it was a print that went for like i think it went for like 250 bucks or, or 2500 bucks back then and which is a lot in the 70s but uh, it just got valued at over a million
0: <laughs> oh, I yeah, I've seen it on Rolling Stone website. Yeah, and it's talking about it was in a classic uh, storage locker. Oh yeah, the Andy Warhol classic yeah, in and storage. storage locker. Yeah,
1: and then the best, and then the best part is Cooper's like that's too nice to put in my house, and so we put it back in the storage locker.
0: It's like that's a, that's killer, dude. That is that yeah. is insane. Well, so as we transition like into the automotive stuff, because I mean, uh, this is just this is awesome. But when the listener, so like a lot of people know, hey, Craig Frazier – I know because in the mid '90s, late '90s, I start reading mini truck and, and we start seeing these unbelievable trucks. And really, they go down in history. A lot of them have. But can we start first, like with Air Syndicate and Cal Concepts? You kind of alluded to these um, different companies. But what's the difference between these two?
1: Well, Air Syndicate's my company, and I've had different people off and on. There's some names you guys you may remember. Um, <clears throat> you probably heard of a guy named Steve Van Diemen and a uh, great painter. He's mm-hmm. uh, probably had more uh, truck covers and trucking magazine than any other uh, artist out there. And he actually was one of my first uh, employees, one of my first students, actually. And I've had different people off and on that have worked for me uh, with Air Syndicate, but pretty much just me. It's just, uh, it, I call it Air Syndicate Studios. It sounds like it's this huge place. It's just wherever I'm at. It's Air Syndicate. Uh-huh. And I separated it just to make Air Syndicate's more of my automotive stuff. You won't see Air Syndicate doing any any murals, in, you know, in nightclubs, or doing any restaurant design, or anything, or doing any tattoos—that's different. Um, Air Syndicate was my automotive, so I, I created Air Syndicate as my company name when I started working with Dion, because I wasn't—you know—I started working at Cal Concepts. Um, <clears throat> Dion's like, well, you're going to need to have your own company name, and I had a company called Fraser Graphics at the time that I was going to restart up again. I kind of let lapse when I moved to Italy, and I said, yeah, I'm going to do something different. That's when I started. I actually licensed Air Syndicate here in the United States. Because you know, I'd already been using the name. And that's just me. That's whatever I'm going to or whatever group I have working with me. If I have three or four artists working with me, then we're all a syndicate. But Cal Concepts a little bit differently. Dion started Cal Concepts. Uh, he purchased uh, Curtis Craft. Uh, boat was a boat racing company and Curtis Craft Racing from his uh, stepfather, Arlen Curtis, okay. uh, back in 1986. Okay. Now, Curtis Craft Racing started in the 30s. From Frank Curtis, who was the most winningest uh, IndyCar uh, builder of all time, uh, actually even more than Ferrari and uh, and you know Lotus and those other companies. If you look back at Curtis, that's Curtis with a K, Curtis Craft with K, okay. both with Ks. That's also why Cal Concepts both has Ks. That's a a little bit of an homage to Curtis Kraft. Now, Curtis Craft still exists. Cal Concepts is a DBA. It's Curtis Craft DBA doing business as Cal Concepts. So Curtis Craft has never been closed since nineteen, since I think like nineteen thirty something or other, whenever I can't remember what the exact date was. It was wow. In the thirties, when Frank started it, so by definition, Cal Concepts doing business at Curtis Craft, doing business Cal Concepts is the oldest custom paint and customizing company because they did their own paintwork. work. said so they did race car building back then and sprint cars, and then later in the sixties and seventies, boats. And he's also because Frank's father was a blacksmith that actually uh a, a wheelwright that started working for, for Henry Ford. Dion is the fourth generation car customizer, a car builder wow. in the company. And uh so probably the longest open, the longest business that is that's that's never had its doors shut would be Cal Concept's you know, of course, originally original name craft. And um I always thought that was kind of Kind of cool. That is I, awesome. I remember Dion. Dion didn't even really realize that until we were talking about it years ago. And I go, "Wait a second, did Kirschcraft ever shut stores?" He goes, "No." And I go, "Yeah." Then, then guess what? You know, you still kept the name because you know you know, you can't get rid of it. You know, he 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 did just he unincorporated it, but he kept the name, so it's still there. Kind
0: that- of cool. That's crazy, man. I appreciate that that insight. Now, when you mentioned, was it it was Steve Demon, right?
1: Steve Van Demon. Steve Van Demon. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now <clears> I'm trying <throat> to. He's think. known for his
1: flames on on a lot of trucks and stuff. Yes.
0: Now I don't have the truck sitting next to me, but we just I mentioned we had Sean Mahaney on. Didn't he paint crew mm-hmm. cut the 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 dually for MIC? for I think he did. It was green of course, and. red right. Rob Magi.
1: Uh, I think Rob Magi, right? Yeah, no, or Magi or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah. He did. He's the one that did
0: that one. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I always... I designed re- the
1: steering wheel. Right. I designed
0: the steering wheel and he did the flange job. <laughs> that is awesome. And and it's cool because, I mean, Sean, when we had him on, it's one of our most downloaded and listened episodes. I mean, people were really intrigued and, you know, we had a great conversation. But I always remember on the back lower right, it had like the purple. It almost looked like a, a bumper sticker, but it, it said his name on it. And, and that's pretty cool. So I'll have to yeah. look back with all my trucking magazines and look at other, you know, paint jobs that he had his name tied to because you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of them. So that's cool, man.
1: In, in my opinion, I mean, I, I believe he probably I, – I mean, we've had – Cal Concepts, Air Syndicate, we've had uh, more than 70 covers, and that's a lot. Yes. Uh, we, we, uh, Dion knows that <laughs> number better than I do, but since we started together in 92, we've got 70 covers. That's... Um, not all in trucking, of course. Sure. That's, that's in other magazines as well as in other countries. But not just that, over 350 features that I personally have written, uh, step-by-steps for Airbush Action Magazine – Truckin', uh, you know, um, mini trucking, uh, lowrider, uh, hot rod, uh, you know, different kind. You know, Drive magazine, Cal magazines overseas, uh, Chrome and Flame over in Germany. Uh, and then also, I've got we've got three. I got three books out that were the
0: I pinch, remember you know, seeing those. Cheap Tricks.
1: Yeah, Cheap Tricks and Special Effects, uh, one and two, and then Pinstriping Masters is a book I ghost wrote for Airbrush Action magazine. And then wow. also have about twenty five. 25 dvds out there that on on instructional most of them are available now you can get them online they're actually been kind of released online free and then there's a number of my still do uh, videos but now they're not dvds now they're direct downloads through uh, a company called coast airbrush it's called coast airbrush tv and i do i have probably about a half dozen videos on airbrushing and different uh, techniques available on there and then i also have a couple of videos available through the stan winston school which is Stan Winston is one of the great special effects schools, uh, our, our studios in the, in the movie industry. And I've got a couple of videos uh, that direct download through their school. And, and, and so that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities for that. But the reason I, I bring this stuff out there's, there's, is we didn't do the, we didn't do the, the, we didn't custom paint and were involved with the magazine solely for the covers. That was a byproduct. Got a lot it. of people would say, oh, I want to be on the cover. I'm like, well, that's easy. <laughs> be on the cover, you can do it politically, you can, you, can, you can finagle your way in, or you can earn it. Be on the cover is not that big a deal, but remember, uh, it is a big deal, but it's not. It is something that this, this, you know, this, today's cover is tomorrow's on the bottom of tomorrow's cat box. Got so it. you might not, you know, it doesn't, it, this industry is very about what have you done for me lately.
2: Exactly. So when people
1: always say, my goal is to be on the cover, I go, then you're going to either be really disappointed when you are, because when you can be on another cover, yeah, the- I never really focused on the covers. They were always a byproduct. It was like, well, if you do your job, you'll be on the cover. If you, you know, and if your job is to do, you know, what our job was to be leading edge creative custom painters. We did not follow the the trends. We we would use parts and bits of trends here and there, but we were known for leading the edge. And it was just people say, well, how do you always figure out what's going to be the latest, hottest thing? I go. Uh, well, we would do something and then tell everyone it's the latest, hottest thing. And they're like, <laughs> and they're laughing. That's and they're like, it doesn't work that easy. I go, yeah, it does, especially yep. if you're writing articles. Yeah. And if I, you know, you know I, no one can guarantee a cover of a magazine. And I I never could uh, to get a cover. But the thing is, is that I had better odds of getting the cover because if I'm working for a magazine and all of a sudden I had to sat in with a couple of times a truck and a main truck and, and then some other magazines, especially Airbush Action or Autographics Magazine, where i'm already writing for them i've been writing for them steadily for a while and they're like hey we need something something fell through this didn't work out we oh. need something We're at last minute i'm like i go hey here you go because i also did all my own photography back then so i would i would always had something in the wings and because i wrote for so many magazines i always had one or two articles in the can that i could modify depending on the demographic of the magazine i was exactly. working for i had this one magazine article that it was meant for this magazine but I could tweak it up and put it into, into mini trucking too. So, um, being involved in that now, did I do that as a grand scheme? No, I liked the people at mini trucking. I liked working with Lance. I liked working with, you know, you know, uh, you know Courtney and, and Stillwell and all these people in the magazine, all you know, these, these are people that I, I would see at car shows. And and I got to know in a professional way, yeah, exactly. personal way. And, and, and I really, you know, that that you know sean carlson and all these you know, great names and icons in the industry that i got to meet on a personal basis but i also work with them professionally and when you do that you know it's like it's like it's like the lifestyle thing i talked about earlier if you make something in your lifestyle where every aspect you're covering then you can't help but but do well you can't help but be creative you can't help but be immersed in the full aspect of it if you just dabble in it, if you punch the clock and you end at five and you stop on Friday and start up again on Monday, you'll never get it.
0: Then you shouldn't. So true. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, immerse. Sorry. You have to immerse yourself in something if you truly love it. Like you said, and you've kind of painted that picture, so to speak (pun intended). So I was going to ask you. You know, I met you last year at SEMA, and you were super nice guy, and you said, "Hey, yeah, no problem, I'll come on." And I know it's taken some time, but we made it happen. You know, when I think yeah, of Cal cool. Concepts and, and, you know, your company, Air Syndicate, I, I think of, like, Cal Concepts, they've painted so many classic trucks, you know, many trucks over the years. But can you tell us a little bit, what was the environment in the shop, even though you guys are still doing it, but what was it like back in the in the 90s painting some of these iconic trucks?
1: Well, it was it was cool. It was fun. Um People, it it wasn't like if we did a television show, it wouldn't, you know, like Fast and Furious, nothing is like that. (laughs) You know, when you look at the, you know, people would love to think that we're all, that we just had all these lifts in the shop with like 20 cars that you would just like, I recognize that when I recognize that. Well, no, it's not like that at all. We working on an iconic truck. I mean, last look was a shop truck. It started out as this truck that we rescued from this tweaker that, that I swore this body drop using batteries and coat hangers. The, 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 some of the worst the worst work we've ever seen done. And we rescued it from this place. It was just torn apart. It didn't make any sense. It was actually a friend of ours truck that he had sold to this people. We bought it back from him. We were going to just make it into a shop truck. Uh-huh. And Dion got it all all, all cleaned up and fixed up. And we did a body drop on it. And at that time, it was... Matter of fact, if you go back early enough, you'll see a couple of issues before the last look, or quite a while before the last look debuted, there was an article on uh, Sean Carlson and I can't remember the name of his company at the time because he had two different. He had New Forms and there's the other company he had. I, I'm, I'm brain Yeah, now. I yeah, no, remember. I know what you're but, talking but, about. But he he hit us up and he had some idea. He had an idea for creating a airbag kit for mini trucks and yes. he wanted to experiment with Dion's truck. And we had the truck <laughs> just sitting there with a the little. We had a sitting there with a the C notch. It was no big deal.
2: Okay. So no,
1: no, actually, it did have a monster notch. It was a it was a horrible monster. So we had cut the whole <laughs> back of the truck all, off already, and we had an old C notch one. So we redid the notch on it, and we let we worked with Sean on it. And Sean came up with it. And the basis of that became—I I can't remember if that was it, if that was the kit that MIC started selling or something. Someone started selling that kit, and Sean sold it to him. Like the the basic, just the templates
2: for the yeah, it may have you know, been the, FBI the bag
1: hangers. The bag hangers. Yep. It was. I think it was before. It was definitely before uh, MIC. But it was uh, another company. I remember Sean was doing it from his company, and then I think he sold the templates. But that was the original thing. And then all of a sudden, we had this like the first officially fully airbag body drop mini and that was done, you know, you know, with this kitten. in So we do do something else with it. So we started messing around and it was kind of funny. We, we never had any intention of doing it the way it looked. I, you know, we got, we were making jokes about, uh, I don't know if you heard of a company called Chisholm suspension back in the yes, day. I have. And they actually put a, they put a full size truck on a Corvette NASCAR chassis and he took <laughs> it out in the early nineties. And they ran it as a pace car. Everyone just laughed their butts off. But it was like, and then all of a sudden, someone's like, they made a joke and called it a NAS truck. Then someone all of a sudden got the idea of, hey, this might actually be something. Now, I painted the the Chisholm suspension NAS truck. And... We made jokes about it. It was badass. Don't get me wrong. we were all thinking this is the coolest truck, it's the stupidest truck Uh if you're really talking about a practical truck. But we're just laughing about it because, dude, they're never going to have a NAS truck series.
0: Right. But we just laughing about years later.
1: So when all of a sudden we started noticing, they started doing like a little bit of the NAS truck. You know, NAS truck started, they they did kind of like an exhibition race. The next thing you know, they're talking about it. Me and Dion were making jokes. we are saying, well, if they're going to do this, they're going to have to have a mini truck class. <laughs> so we built the full, we built the cage and all this stuff on the last look to make it look like a mini NAS truck at first, oh, you know, the way nice. we were doing it.
0: That's how it came. And
1: about. that's how that whole, that whole front end looked, that whole, you know, that big scoop on the front hood and all that, you know, the original, the look of it was, you know, we're going to, we're going to take, we're going to have the first mini NAS truck. And, it's kind of funny. They never did. I mean, mini truck kind of stopped in 98 when everything, after, you know, now today is a mini trucks, a, a midsize truck, yep. but there's, there's uh, it never took off. They never did a mini truck series, but, uh, but we did, we had the last look and we, we, it was all yellow. Cause Dion liked that color. We didn't know what to really do on it. And Dion's like, give me three renderings. So I remember doing these three. I really went all out to just do the craziest, uh, render and they were full color. And I usually don't do color renderings. Right. Sick. I used to do black and whites and I'll do we, So I did three full color renderings and he picked the one he picked was the last look. And, and then later on there was a guy named, um, I don't know if you remember John Lotto.
0: I don't um, remember that
1: name. He had a full size Chevy truck that was yellow with like some crazy graphics on it It'd being sold to the Japanese. He used to have these big 20 back
0: then.
2: Big
1: 20 inch books. No, no, no. He had 20 inch like, uh, LA wire wheels on it. And they were like crazy looking. And, but uh it was at it was at steam a while a while back, but that was a modified version of the second drawing and uh and I can't remember off the top of my head where the third one went to i mean deon Dion has them all but yeah uh, that's that's how it started we ne- we never intended the last look to be a last look. it was actually uh, i'll give you uh, one of the funny stories about it is uh-huh. is uh we we always had a uh, a good, we always had a good relationship. Was a very competitive relationship with Eric Coleman from the Color Shop. Okay. Uh, color Shop and Cal Concept, we were always. And Coleman used to work for Dion back in the day. You know, uh, you know Coleman got a start at Cal Concepts originally before he started the Color Shop. Got it. He, and he had a little. He had a car club called Mag Material, and he would do his stuff on the side. And then he, he worked for Dion for a while, left, and started Color Shop. Okay. And so we're always very competitive with them. And people always thought it was very vicious and never was, it was kind of funny. Everyone thought it was really mean spirited, but (laughs) we would actually just talk smack to each other all the time. Well, there was this one thing where Coleman was going to beat Dion at this way. Right. We'll see you at, I think it was truck jam and I'm going to build this car. It's going to blow you away. And Dion's like, well, I'm going to build the shop truck. He goes, I'm going to take our shop truck and blow you. away. (laughs) And he's like, and then, so they had a running joke on whoever would do the best, whoever won, and it wasn't the best of show, it was best paint. We could care less about best. Right, of show. right. So whoever won best whoever won best paint at that at Truck Jam, I think it was, uh, would have bragging rights. And they were like defining what bragging rights was. And, and Dion's like, you can call me at 3 AM and say, who's the man? And I'll say, <laughs> you are. And Coleman's like, okay. Because well I'm gonna have five trucks there. And Dion goes, You only need one. And, and that's, that was the that was the beginning, the reason for the last look actually being a little bit over the top. Nothing to do with it being an icon in the industry. It was just fun. And it was not to really get back at Eric at all. It, it was funny because because of that, because of that little competition, the Ahead of You truck, Dell's truck, yes. was the answer to the last yeah. look. That, so yep. because of this little, not bickering, but because of this competitive element, you've got one of the other most iconic trucks in the industry, Dell's Ahead of You, which is also the only, or at least the first, mini truck to ever be on, you know, be 4 fully lifted, four-wheel drive, and body drop.
0: Yes, I know. And, I remember when he did and, that.
1: And w- and one of the paint jobs that I, you know, if you if I if you if I had to give out the top ten paint jobs in the mini truck industry, in my opinion, well, in the top five would be would be the head of you truck, you know, uh, you know Coleman's paint job. Um, so all of this this stuff, none of it was intended. I guarantee when Sean built the first, you know, Sean Dell did and his dad built the head of you truck or, or I don't think it was called. Uh, people called it graphic. Oh, it, it was nicknamed as Sideshow for, yeah, because Side of the Show. magazine, but it was always called the head of you truck. Yeah. The graphic violence truck was actually was the coolest name ever. That was uh, Richard Jasmine's truck that Coleman did. And that's another great truck. But none of these were intended to be what they became. We were just done for fun back yeah. then. That was fun. It was the smack talk was part of the culture. You that's know, so if sick. you weren't doing, if you weren't doing little versions like little, you know, I used to do little cartoons of of other painters and our paint jobs. And I had people like get mad about that. That's like, dude, that's what we did. You know, yeah. it was like, you know, people yeah. would talk smack. I. You know, it was a running joke. Don't don't mess with Craig. We'll put you in a mural. <laughs> it was but I put I put myself in a mural. I put all of us in our shop. We're in a mural at any given time. So that was part of the fun of it. And you know, and when people talk about well, whatever happened to in the industry, I go, well, what happens to every industry? You know, it, it grows up. It gets tired. I go, you, you know, it's like a great joke. If you say it over and over again, it's not great anymore. You've, but it, but a good comedian has more than one joke. So you always want to keep changing up and doing something different. You know, I, I don't look back and I and, and I'm not sad about the matrix industry not being. Uh, you know, I, I it, 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 You'll see it permeated in different versions. You're seeing a lot of the full size trucks, a lot of the trucks nowadays um, are, are, are kind of going back to that roots. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're not the same thing, but you don't want the same thing. You want it to be different.
0: Exactly, and what's funny is I, I got to look back and see what mini trucking it was, but I remember when they were doing when Sean Carlson was doing the uh, tech articles for the bagging last look, and for some reason maybe mm-hmm. it was because it wasn't the co- you know all color pages back then. It seemed like it was white or maybe it was primer, but I remember. That, and then when you think about to your point, you know, where it came from and then where it's at now with Fester kind of being, you know, over that truck and kind of overseeing it, it, it's just amazing. But one question that I had uh, for you, because I saw the truck years ago when some crazy four by four shop in in the East Coast owned it before Fester got his hands on it, which was probably the best thing that happened to it. The question I had is, you know, the, the pain obviously blew me away. And I remember looking in, you see the little guys holding the like where the fire guys, you know, there's the guy on the inside of the roof that was going to, like, jump, mm-hmm. and then there's the guy on the floor. But is there, you know, a lot of guys know a lot of facts about the truck, right, because it went down in history. But is there w- any one other thing maybe that people don't know about the inside the paint specifically?
1: I've told these stories so many times there's yeah. not anymore. If yeah, it wasn't I gotcha. for, If it wasn't for the Internet, I could say yeah, because not <laughs> everyone reads but, but it. But there, there's stories out there that I've had people tell me about the hood mural. That I'm listening to, and that's not <laughs> what I put in the mural. But I like their story better than mine. Right. So I'm like, you know something, I'm going to use that because it makes me look so much more clever and Machiavellian. <laughs> but I'm not that, you know, I, I'm I'm not that's that much sick. of a Moriarty character. I can't, I don't think that far in advance. There's no, there's no, you know, Nostradamus predictions in right. the Well well what I'd was say the, the, the one fire thing fire that guy? probably isn't talked about? Uh-huh. The little fu- well we always talked about the little guys and, and the little guys were infamous. They were always in tr- m- trouble, yes. always, in- always causing problems. It was either, it was either back in the day, it was me, Dion and K daddy with little guys, or later on it became me, Dion and, and Nino Brown or me, Dion and Lambie. <laughs> and that's the way it is now. The, the, the core, the main core little guys are always me and Dion and someone else causing problems. And uh, I, I, there's a couple of different little guys throughout the truck and, and there was one where uh, they were all holding like a little like a fire thing where they're trying to catch somebody. And, you know, and there's there guys climbing up on the roll cage and like one of them jumped and they're all holding the, the <laughs> that net. Uh-huh. But the guy is like t- three feet to the right of the net just on the ground. Blam. Like, he missed <laughs> yeah. completely. And he's got a spray gun in his hand. And that was Coleman. And, <laughs> um, and, and Coleman knew it. And he was like, he he liked it. He was like, yeah, I missed. I go, yeah, you did miss. Because he didn't, not only did he, at the one show we went to, he didn't have any of his trucks ready. So it was kind of funny. He didn't even bring one. (laughs) So that's cool because a lot of the
0: the East East Coast guys may not know that story. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. And then the thing is, is that if you see all the Japanese lettering throughout it, and there were some different ones, there was a stereo that was added in to the back of it uh, later on. But. before that, there was a, carbon, a lot of carbon fiber panels we did on that. And they always had a lot of kanji written throughout it. And, and this was before the Internet. So the, the, as far as the accuracy on that, probably about as accurate as half the people's kanji <laughs> tattoos on the back of their head. Right. You know, uh, ex- you know I, I did it the best I could. But we had an inside uh, lead on a company in Japan that wanted to buy the truck. Okay. And so we were very stoked. It was actually the company Iwata and uh, the company that, that manufactures the spray guns that I use. And they were very interested in having that truck on this, you know, buying it, having it permanently on display in their showroom in Yokohama, Japan. We were stoked. We're like, oh, that would be the best. So this is your, this is, you know, this is, you know, we had heard about this early on. So when we are painting it, uh-huh. we we're like, let's, you know, they, they were saying that this thing's going to be really cool. We'd like one of your trucks. And Dion's like, we need to make it this truck. So I put a lot of kanji things in there that had to do with, um, just you know, Japanese lettering in there just not just because it was you know a Toyota a Japanese truck but because it was we were trying to really really cater to the Japanese right and, uh, okay. and in and the deal fell through because it was like a different the person that was interested in it ended up leaving the company whatever so it never happened sure but sure. that that was something a lot of people don't know that we we were fully intended on when we built that truck we were gonna show it for about one or two years and then sell it and uh, and go from there and uh, a lot of people also don't know about the bike. There was the, there was a a, a 80, 85 Ninja six hundred that was painted to match. That used to travel with the, with the, and we keep on teasing Fester. It's like if you want the bike, <laughs> and Fester's all like, I want the bike. Where is it? Oh,
2: you
1: yeah, have to, you have to really want one hundred million dollars. <laughs> we've got we've got a line. No, it's not that at all. But we've got yeah. we basically. Or, or tease and Fester with Fester will probably end up getting it eventually, right. but we had the bike and it was and the bike was called the Eliminator, and it That's was sick. along with the last look and the E and it just had the big letter E and then a dash Eliminator and that was as a, also a running joke because uh, Eric's nickname was E Eric Coleman and so there was that kind of stuff all the time. Like the ahead of you truck, supposedly in the ver- original mural version, uh-huh. the chick holding the the head. The head was originally my head, ah. and I, and then the, and he changed it, and I was like stumped. <laughs> and they're like, well, the, and I like, I, I was kind of like, no, come on, you won't play. I mean, I feel, you because know, the, the thing is, is I I had probably put Coleman in a half a dozen paint jobs, and uh, and, and 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 he would get mad about it, but he liked it. It was funny because he he had to understand Coleman's sense of humor. It was pretty twisted.
2: Yeah, and
1: um. Yeah. And so that whole thing, that that was the industry. That's what we did. You know, we people would always like, oh, stop being juvenile.
0: No, it's mini trucking. Come on, don't. Yeah, really, there's you know, no it's fun. Freaking rules in mini trucking. I mean that. Yeah, that, there's no
1: rules in mini trucking. That's like it's like, mini trucking is this it's probably the one of the most, in my opinion, socially acceptable forms of anarchy that I've been directly a part of. <laughs>
0: for sure, for sure. And it's funny because on episode thirty eight that we're getting ready to drop. We have um, an old school mini trucker from South Florida, and we talk about that. We say, hey, there's no rules in mini trucking because you can do whatever you want to do. If you want to put your truck logo in the paint, you do it. You know, So it, it's pretty cool now. Yeah. Also, kind of thinking of yeah, you know like fir-
1: first rule the mini truck in. There are no rules in mini
0: truck end. It- exactly, <laughs> I mean, that's the bumper sticker we need. W- what I think is awesome is one. You know, you're in the mini truck hall of fame, so congrats. And then last look is as well. I think those two like are icing on the cake for you know the Cal Concept crew and, and yourself. And then of course, well, the Cal Concept,
1: Cal Concepts, Cal Concepts is also inducted.
0: Oh yep, you're so, right. And- and- Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yep. And and I should have mentioned that too. And and to me, those three, that's the trifecta. It's like, it's gotta be because, you know, a lot of guys, you know, and here's the thing, you know, I, you know, I, I'm at an age in my life. You're at a, you're at a good age. Uh, you know, we're not old by any means, but there's a lot of like the newer, the newer generation that's coming in and they haven't heard these stories. And for me, even I haven't heard a lot of this. And to me, you, you have to know where your hobby is. You know, know some of those roots, man, because like these trucks will go down, and they have already went down in history. So I love what the whole mini truck hall of fame is doing. I know some people, you know, not everybody wants that kind of recognition, but to me, it's it's great that our industry or our scene that we have that as an outlet. You know,
1: no, we we're. I was very happy when Bob Hayes, uh, you know, put together, and, and I have to give you know the majority of credits to Bob Hayes. The, 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 that is a true, uh, you know putting a passion with his, is the, the Hall of Fame, and he's put as much work, as much sweat, and lost as much stomach lining uh, running yes. that Hall of Fame as he did uh, running um, Rezzo, yep. which is, I, I still will say is the, 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 the ultimate um, you know, show of all time. Um, people may argue with me, but I'm sorry. I loved Rezzo back w- 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 in the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I give a lot of credit with him on that. The thing is is that it's kind of interesting dichotomy. You've you got these, the new guys coming in, and you can, you know, and it's good that they've got the, that they can study the history, and you can see about it. But you can't shove it down their throats because the whole concept is, think about the way mini trucking started. It was a bunch of guys that weren't going to listen to the old hot rod guys or weren't going to listen to the old race car guys. They were going to do something that was just completely ridiculous. Uh, they were going to take these mini trucks and make them so untruckable and uh it just no one expected it it's like you know uh, when, when it came out i remember um there was a guy you have to go way back in Main trucking to find him and he was my neighbor His name was mike kitchen and he had a truck called tilt and it was an old uh hilux and it it had a tilt bed and well and molded rear tailgate and it was painted by the Beam Brothers, and it was lowered, and it was back when when Zolotone was really bitching. And he had <laughs> color-mapped Zolotone in his bed, and we just thought he was the weird... And, and of course, back then, this is back in the early 80s, I had a 68 Camaro uh, SS-396, and I, all I cared about was street racing. So I, the, I, that's what I was into, was my 68 Camaro and, and racing. And then he's got this mini-truck, and I remember just being completely baffled. It was cool, but I remember thinking... You know, I had my primered Camaro, which is completely ironic, what I do now, and I had a primered Camaro. <laughs> um, and then he had that, and I remember thinking, that's never going to take off. And I was so complete. You know, at that time, I'm thinking service center and, and you know, super shops and 68 Camaro, that's going to be here forever. <laughs> nope.
0: Right. Um,
1: but, but, you know something, there is a heck of a lot more longevity with, and creativity when it came to mini and, and But when I, when I first seen his truck, uh, and that was way before anyone else was really doing it. And uh, we're talking, this is probably 82, 83. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, before, I mean, there was people doing it, but before it was a scene that you really knew much about. And uh, it, it, it gets back to that whole thing. You don't know, you know, if, if anybody, if, you know, it, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen, you know, nobody knew what was going to take off and what wasn't. You know, look at the amount of trucks that money was put into. I remember there was a truck that we competed against with The Last Look, and this guy had about 50 or 60 grand in this truck. I can't remember the name of it. It was a peach-colored truck, and the chrome was a—it was an amazing truck. And um, Dion probably knows the names. He's better with names than I am. Yeah. But you have to realize that we had, of course, we did all the work on Last Look. We did all the paintwork, all the fabrication, everything on it. A lot of it was found, merch, a lot of it was fabricated. hmm but the amount of money that was put into that truck was like between $2,500 and $3,000. That was it. That's how much money was in that truck. Sick. That's how much we put into it. That truck was built with that. I mean, if you looked in Truck and Magazine, we did a dually that was, the, the entire dually was under ten grand. And, then the, and, and they were talking about these under 10 builds. Well, we, taught, we topped it by finding a salvage title dually and customizing it and painting it. And lowering it and putting wheels on it and full custom paint job, interior and stereo, everything, including buying the truck for under 10. And And at that point in time, we were always like, that was, you know, you can throw money at something. And I've got a healthy respect for that. I I love seeing something where a lot of money has been spent on. But that doesn't guarantee you anything. Uh, And 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 all it is, is uh, you really, really, you know, wondering if you're ever going to get a return on your investment. Um, now, if you really figure out you now how many hours did we have in the last look, I don't, I don't want to know. That'd
2: be, just,
1: that, that'd be even more depressing than than that guy with the sixty grand in his mini. Um, so, you know, when Dion sold the last look, he actually got got a very good price for it, and I believe he sold it and also partial trade. He he, he, got, he traded it and sold it for like it was a convertible. Oh, what was that? It was like a convertible '56 Chevy or something like that and uh and then money and it was uh kind of bizarre and that's literally from that point we almost kind of started going into customs more
0: gotcha you know, we
1: would always do the minis we never left minis that was one thing we never we always you know we kept doing them on a regular basis and uh you know we've got the you've probably seen the carl's uh the star
0: wars truck i was gonna bring that did. up oh yeah that truck is yeah, sick that, that,
1: and cory's uh, recent truck that we just uh, finished um, not too long ago, I can't remember his last name i'm, I'm make some terrible names, but with Carl's truck uh, Carl's truck's actually going to be at Sema this year for iwata so it's it's kind of cool, but he he's uh he was invited to Oakland Roadster Show with that from that, and then that's a perfect example of you know people say, "Oh, what's Cal Concepts doing, and there's something could do you not know, doing a truck anymore. yeah we are
0: yeah, and was you know, that the we- Toyota? You know? Which one? The was that, the Corey's? The yeah, burgundy one?
1: Uh, yeah, the burgundy one. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I was thinking because there's one that I've seen out there that almost looks like I guess in photos like a silver and a black with some crazy, you know, the crazy cow concepts on it. Oh no, no,
1: no. That's okay. a different one. That that one used to be a crazy ass green color.
0: Oh yeah, okay. yeah. And then I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Yep. So I know the other one. It's Dude, black.
1: Yeah. It's, it's all monochromatic. Yeah. That I like that one. That yep. one hasn't really hit the scene. He's I think he's shown it a few times, but. That that thing's not really been seen that much. It's it's not in the magazine yet.
0: Yeah, know? that one. And then sick. we did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I there, see the. There's a other other lot of trucks. There's some trucks that never quite ever made it in the magazine that we did. You know, and that's fine. Back in the day, there was trucks we did that never quite made it in the magazine.
0: Exactly. And, uh,
1: and then the, you know, and then there's a few that are you know gone. And then there's you know Tommy Liondecker's old truck, something wicked this way comes, which yes. used to be, which used to be Cobb's Ninja truck, which before that was the Gecko truck painted by Coleman. So this truck was actually in the magazine three different times, two times with one owner, a third time um, as uh, something wicked this way comes, which is also the very first time we ever did a step-by-step video was on the orange the, the, you know, you know, the Mazda.
0: That's sick. So, I love that truck. That I, And I wanted to bring that one up. And it's funny because when I first got in the mini trucking, I w- was buying stuff from Steve at Altered Images. And Steve, you know, back then would, he would film all kinds of stuff. And and I swear he went in the, on the video, the VHS tape, there's a part where he goes somewhere and that truck was on a trailer and somebody goes, yeah, you can go check it out. And he opens the door and he's filming and, it it was crazy because back then you know the, like you said earlier there wasn't the internet that there is today so to to have some you know i call truck smut smuggled from the west coast to the east coast i mean it was freaking badass mm-hmm. you know but i did want to mention so you know you talked a lot about the history of these different trucks now you'd also brought up Sean carlson's name so rest in peace i've even had a family yep. member reach out To me, because we always hashtag, I always hashtag his name. But you know, he was an innovator, much like Cal Concepts and Air Syndicate. Now, uh, Cal Concepts, of course, painted Woodrunner. Can you share anything Mm -hmm. about the paint job, you know, and kind of that the experience that you had with Sean back then?
1: Woodrunner was kind of funny because we would always tease Sean about that thing. It it, it was at a paint shop. It was at another paint shop um, for a long time, and it sat outside, half done. And Sean finally brought it to us, and we. Uh, we couldn't say the paint job that was, that was started on it. So we just stripped it and started all over again on it. But it was one of our first sponsored vehicles from house of color. Okay. House of Color wasn't interested in sponsoring mini trucks. they we weren't interested in main trucks, but, uh, we got that sponsored, and we even have a little character of John Kosmoski was on the back of it because it was yes. our first fully sponsored house of color job. Before that, we used to use a combination of house of color and PPG. At that point, we went full-blown house of color. Okay. So we really wanted to showcase the house of color uh, paint, and we went nuts on that truck. And and then it sat.
0: Yes, and it I remember and that. It was and like a storage or something. And we
1: would always tease them it, 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 uh, to the point where that paint job was done um, before the last look.
0: Wow. I did not know before that. The last
1: look. It was finished more than a year before the last look.
0: That's sad. I did not um, know
1: that. Yeah. And so, and so we'd always tease them about, hey, when's a four hundred going to come out? And, and, and to the point where it, it's just, uh, it, it would pop up in Maggie. I remember seeing it at SEMA and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you limited the windows so because there's nothing inside that. Right, yet. yeah.
0: yeah. I, and it was funny because when I was <laughs> but first it looked
1: guy, amazing. Yeah, but and people were amazing, talking about yeah. the
0: motor swap. I mean, even on the East Coast, it was weird how, you know, knowledge, you know, kind of made its way back before the Internet. And when I went to Indie Truck Bash, like, 0203, that's when it had already made its pilgrimage over kind of the East Coast, which I guess it, you could almost say the start of the demise of it. But it was awesome because yeah. I took a lot of photos on film of it there, because I was just like, wow, this truck is here. And I forget somebody in like Indiana owned it. And I know a lot of stuff had, had really transpired. But to your point with the characters and, and whatnot, I mean, it was really neat to see that, man. Because that paint job still to this day is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. So
1: and, um, But also with, 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 um, with Son Carlson, we, we also uh, painted his um, Mitsubishi, the wagon, the turbo one that he did. And, uh, and we also did a number of, we did his, the Ford uh, focus, right? For, the Ford focus that was, uh, we did it until it was sponsored by, I can't remember who sponsored it. And then of course they had to change, change the paint job. Um, but before that, we also worked on, uh, people forget Jason Whitfield's, uh, uh, Oh, what was it called again? Um, something time. Uh, it was the, the Honda that was the, at the time the the world's fastest Honda at one point. I ah, remember. gotcha. Stefan had it, and and it was all done like biomechanical stuff. And, and yes, uh, and yeah, killing time. No, not killing time. No, killing time was that truck. It was something else. It was something time.
0: Yeah, and Man, what, what, I can't believe I forgot it. That's yeah, well, I mean, dude, you showed some <laughs> awesome memory. This whole entire interview, you know. And we do have a couple more questions, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. But to me, when I th- there's a cover that I had, and I forget if I went to I went to Nopi back we used to go there drive up from tampa and charlotte oh, was on there the,
1: that, that honda was on the cover of there was the Nopica issue of the, i think i can't remember which one of the yeah the it may have or and may a been, and maybe that's where turbo, i remember turbo it. magazine it was-
0: yeah, I think yeah. They turbo and amazing. then the Ford Focus, yeah. I have that issue, and it was funny because I took a picture. My buddy goes, "Oh, there's Sean right there," and of course, I never, I never knew him or anything like that. But he was being interviewed. You know, it was early 2000s, and I took a photo of him, and it really, you know, I looked at him, and you could just see how genuine of a guy he was. But that Ford Focus, you know, to your point. I remember it when it was, it, it had the carbon fiber look of it, but you could tell it had, I think mm-hmm. it, that's when you guys painted, the, you know, you could tell the Cal concept, you know, piece of it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to keep as much of the carbon fiber as possible, but there was a lot of modifications done to the body that made some of the carbon kind of ugly and kind of messed up and had to be bodyworked. And so we strategically placed the graphics and uh, to cover up and to show as much of the carbon fiber as possible. And, and, and I believe the only time that was really shown was SEMA and then a, a couple of months after that, a couple of runs and races, and then as soon as he picked up whoever's his major sponsor at the time, uh, and then it was instant uh, Maguire's. You know, it, it Yeah, it became. Yeah, I think it was Meguiar's. Yeah. And yep. then all of a sudden, after that, it was it was a, M- a Maguire's wrap over the whole car. Yeah. So because, um. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. I don't blame him. But, you know, everyone's all, aren't you mad? I'm like, uh, no, uh, I'm very happy for Sean. He's doing. He's kicking butt. So, uh, same same thing with uh, us and Leah Pruitt. Um, you see her all of a sudden now with all of the uh, Papa John's pizza ads. And we did all of her original cars, her a altered, her funny car, all of her cars back in the day. She used to junior, we painted her junior dragsters back when she was junior dragster racing. So (laughs) we, we were fully with Leia back when, you know, as early, I think she was like 12 or something. We started painting her junior dragsters and stuff. And so we were doing, and then we did her, all of her car, her a altered and stuff for her dad and then her. And then, um, Uh, they had double duty where they actually had two bodies who would swap on the same car to race different categories, a altered and, and then funny car, They would just swap out the bodies. And, uh, you know, back when they were all self-sponsored and then she went on from there to, uh, just kind of here. And and, then she, 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 she she lost her main sponsor for a while and then hooked up with Papa John's and then just, she's been going insane.
0: That is insane.
1: She's right up. She's, she's right up there name wise, (laughs) right up there with, with Jesse James's, uh, you know, wife uh, with the Patron funny car. You
2: know,
1: different. Yeah. They're, they're different classes, but honestly, they're about, they're getting about the same amount of airtime right now. Leia's doing really good. Real proud of her.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna look her up, man. That's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one of my favorite covers, yeah. favorite trucks of all times, is the stunning Cow Concepts paint job, of course, and it's Mike Kaufman's full size that was on the inaugural <laughs> issue, yep. or I should say, the first issue of, of Street Trucks. I mean, what a. Classic truck yeah. and in the year that it was at SEMA. I mentioned Steve from Altered Images. He was also, you know, he had the video camera then, and he had some, and it was on video. And we're like, oh my gosh, we got a SEMA video here, and you know, in Florida, it was crazy. But what can you tell us about that truck? I mean, I've heard we've we've heard rumors that the truck got totaled and whatnot. But what a beautiful paint job, man!
1: Thank okay. Um that that was a very, very House of color sponsored paint job. It had the huge House of color scarab in the back and, and a lot of people didn't ever saw it. I go some of the <clears throat> the coolest part, but I mean I love the graphics on it, of course, but I love that wheel in the back It yes, the, bed as well the that was sunken in there. The whole truck was just done really, really nicely. And um and I'm trying to remember who did all the custom work on it, although Rich or built the truck itself and I forget. I,
0: yeah, I forget was too. It our, I know. was
1: it our cut was, was it our customs? It was,
0: it yeah, I'll have to look it up because I remember. I, I, I feel I feel bad if I'm giving someone the wrong credit. But <laughs> I, I I'll it look it up.
1: Really, I, and, and, and Kaufman, I had done Kaufman's Honda before, uh, the Final Solution Honda with all the murals on it. So I had known Mike for years going way back with, with. Um, he was, you know, of course, one of the founding original members with Syndicate Minis and Compact. Oh, so really? When he was oh, doing, when he was, oh yeah, he's one of the original guys back in the day. And uh, he, he, uh, when he was doing that truck and we were all stoked because he, he put some money in that truck and it was nice. And the stereo was just killer. And it was just a great all around truck. Um, he showed the heck out of that thing. I'm not exactly sure. I'm pretty sure it he either sold it or it was and it possibly sold, but it, it, it had gotten in a small accident. And then, uh, and I heard it he had done some repairs on it. And then I heard it was in a bigger accident. So I didn't know because I wasn't directly involved with it and uh-huh. I hadn't done the repair. I didn't, what minor repairs happened on it. I didn't do you know, do them uh, same way. I didn't do any of the restoration work on the last look that was done by by Fester's guy. Um, you know, I mean, you know, talked to him a few times, but besides that, the end yeah. of that. Uh, I, from what I understand, the truck no longer exists. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. You know, it's 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 sad, but you know that's what happens. There's a lot of trucks out there that no. I mean, look at the Forerunner. The Forerunner was brought back. Yeah. But you've seen the picture of the Forerunner upside down with the trailer. Yes, know, I have. The, yeah. So there's a lot of uh, great vehicles that were that got in accidents and then never were brought back. And then in the Forerunner case, uh, I'm hoping, I'm waiting. Like we I've talked to the guy every now and then, and about repainting it or doing the graphics on it again because he's got that blown motor in it
2: now. Yeah, and it's
1: it's freaking psycho. I've talked to <laughs> Sean Dell. Have you have you seen pictures of Sean's of the of the ahead of you truck? The, the what they've done they've done to it?
0: Well, okay, so. I've seen in the mini truck and where are they now, I think it came up because doesn't he have the hood on his, on his garage wall, I believe? I'm trying to think if that's the Well, same. he has
1: got the hood on there. I'm talking about the truck. The truck has been totally redone. No, and, I haven't seen um, it. Oh, yeah. It's, and from what I understand, he's still – and I, I, was t- I was actually talking with him and we were discussing on, on, on the repaint. We'd even talked about, you know, uh, cause at that time I was, uh, you know, Coleman was doing something different uh-huh. with, uh, and we were, I was even talking to Coleman. Hey, I'd be more, I would be totally honored to work with you on, on restoring, uh, the paint job on that. And we always were talking about it, but that truck wasn't right at that time. And then Coleman passed away. It kind of everything, no one really talked about it, but I've, I've thrown out there is like, I'd be more than happy to work on that truck because I, I view that truck as being part of Mini trucking history. It's, uh, it, it's cool to see those things come back. Same way, there's someone in Bakersfield that owns Tommy Leyendecker's truck. I've, I haven't seen it in a while, the last time I saw it was going across the intersection some girl driving it. You know, the, the Something Wicked This Way Comes truck. Yes, it's it's wow. somewhere. And I saw it driving by, and it looked fine. I mean, the guy, you know, the chick that was driving it railed, You know, had it slammed and railed across the intersection, blowing, sparked, which <laughs> I, I dig. Most people will be like, oh my God, she's ruined the truck. I'm like, no, that's the way you drive it. And <laughs>
2: That's crazy. And,
1: but... But that truck was was meant to be driven. It was, you know, it was pretty. But on the underside, that thing was scraped. But um, I I hadn't seen it. You know, I haven't seen it in probably ooh six or seven years. But the last I heard, it was in town here. So it's so dope. it might turn up. I know Fester. Tell tell it to Fester. He'll just hawk <laughs> his house to buy that stuff. That that's like the missing. That's like the missing trophy on his wall. He just stares yeah. at that space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I talked to Fester the last couple days on Instagram and yeah, I was, I, we you know we were jabbering back and forth or, you know, but I, I mean, yeah, his wife would kill him. <laughs> oh, that's good. Stuff. I'm
1: actually surprised. His wife threatened to kill him three trucks ago. Right, so yeah. I think it's hollow. I think it's a hollow threat. I think she really likes the trucks yep. or she did kill Fester. And that's just a muppet <laughs> that we see pop up every now and then. You know,
0: like... Yeah, man, that's, that, that's awesome. Well, um, I did want to kind of ask a couple more questions before, because I mean, you've been very, very uh, nice here with the time, so I appreciate it. But all kind of getting back to the. Oh, and also,
1: really quick, if I if I left anybody out or I screwed up a name, hey, dude, I'm old, lots of paint fumes,
0: (laughs) no, yeah, and
1: (laughs) and way too much, way too much purple Jesus at mini truck runs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Over over time, you know. Tends to tends to wear
0: a little thin. Dude, you're an OG, yeah. so it, it, it's fine. <laughs> um, so, like, you, you've worked with a long list of clients that I mentioned on your website earlier. Yeah. And what I noticed was, I think it was Mike, was it Mike Jr.'s piece for Papa Doobies? Um, what what piece, like, if you think back, like, so I, I know this, this question is not going to be easy, but if you think back to all the custom pieces that you've done for, whether it be a high-end client or a mini truck, like, what, what's your most memorable thing that you've done as far as, like, artwork?
1: Huh. Um, that's a tough one because, uh, you know, it was, when I think back to, like, the pinnacle of what I think is, like, my, my, my crowning achievement, I don't really have one because I kind of – it depends on this topic you're talking about. I, I have to look with, at, um, at, like, what I've done for Disney. Gotcha. You know, with uh, the, the – I mean, doing a painting for the 50th anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean. Sick. That's like, boom, you know, and then at the same time doing a Boba Fett painting for Lucasfilm, right. you know, knowing that my painting went across the table at, at Lucas, you know, me working on, and, you know, there's, there's so many different milestones of painting, you know, back we, we painted for Jesse James for about three or four years and the paint jobs we did for him, the stuff I've done, I've done three of the hubless bikes for Billy Lane. Back oh in the day, wow! I didn't him. realize that. Wow. Uh, I've worked for I've worked for Arlen Ness. We painted one of our biggest things. We actually painted John Kosmosky's bike, Superstition, which John Kosmosky doesn't let anyone paint his bike because he's a great painter, and we did his actual bike, and which was also a Jesse James built bike. So that was you know. There's a lot of different things out there that wow. I'd have to say are like these great pinnacles, these great crowning achievements. You could say. And, uh, it, and it's tough to pick just one. You know, do, you know, a lot of the vehicles that I did the, uh, a lot of the concept design work for Doug DeBertie that were in the Ford booth at the years at SEMA, like the big tank truck, that was started as a concept rendering it was a joke, wow. and all of a sudden he built the damn thing. And then some of the <laughs> other vehicles that we've we've done, um, you know, the th- th- there's not one because th- to have one crowning achievement means you're going to go downhill from there. And it means you spent most of your life planning that one. It's not the way I've ever been. I always just kind of like just different opportunities and I'll do one thing. I'm like, man, that's like really cool. I had uh, I had a painting that was purchased two years ago by James Wan, the director. He's the guy that did Insidious and The Conjuring as well as Saw. And he's doing the new Aquaman right now down in, in Australia. Uh, he bought Damn. one of my paintings. And I remember just being geeked out on that because – you know that was just cool, but then that was eclipsed by you know someone else buying something else. So it's really tough to say. Uh, doing sick. the piece for for Michael Hossack Jr. Michael Jr. who was the son of of uh, Big Mike, the drummer from the Doobie Brothers, that Papa Doobie piece. That was that was very cool. That was it was a memorial piece for his dad, but it's also a corporate piece for him because he's got that company. So uh, I was stoked getting to meet him. He's a really great guy, and um, and I got to meet him. Through my contact up in Northern California, who hooked me up with Guy Fieri, one of my big clients. I do like wow. uh, I've done I've done eight or nine restaurants for Guy Fieri in the last two years. I wow. uh, just got back from South Africa, where I did a restaurant forum in Pretoria, South Africa. Did one down in Cancun and Playa Carma, Carmen, Mexico, and I've done them across the country as well as in Vegas. If by the way, when it goes to Vegas, you got to check out Guy's uh, the Burro Baracho Restaurant, the Rio, or his kitchen at the Link. And working for Guy Fieri, painting his cars, but also doing wall murals for him and doing a fine art for him has been a great thing as well. So because of that contact with Guy Fieri through one of my students that works for Guy, that guy also is a lifelong friend of Michael Hossett. So it just – these things happen. You can't plan
0: it. Yes.
1: And it, I recently – I have something that if, if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, um, I'm just – it's at Von Frazier. V O N F R A S E R, and that's my personal Instagram. You can also check out craigfraserstudios.com, which is my um, my uh, business side uh, Instagram, as well as my web uh, website and my Facebook. And I have a thing called Quote in sixty, and where I just have sixty seconds and I mention a quote and I describe it. And I talked recently about opportunities. Don't knock just once. They knock and knock. In, you know, they, they continually knock on an infinite number of doors. The problem is most people are so afraid of failure that they won't answer the knock and start working. And that's the key. Um, if you ever shoot for just one target and you miss it, then you missed it. But if, if you pay attention, there are targets of opportunity everywhere, which means as long as you, you know, I may shoot, I may go for something. But if I miss, it's close enough for me to do something else with it as well. I've had vehicles. I've had projects. I've had plans that didn't quite do well. But I was able to keep the momentum going and put it in this and move it over to this area. And all of a sudden, people lost their mind with it. And it did really well over there. I never just, I never viewed it as a failure. Um, all successes are based on failure. If you, if you succeed without failing, you either copied someone else it's not your true success or you were lucky. Because when it comes down to it, that's the definition of success is pushing through failure until it actually, you know, becomes a success. Uh, true failure is when you just stop, you give up, you give up. And then that's, and then that is the black hole of failure. That is. And that's what I told people. I go, there's so many people like, I'm afraid of failure. I go, are you afraid of success? And people said stupid. A lot of people are <laughs> afraid of success. They're, it's not that they're afraid of success. They're afraid of failure. And because of that, they'll actually not even try something and th- they'll never admit to it. It's, it's totally subconscious. You've got to go after it. I'm not saying search out and cause failure. You know, that's just being stupid. But <laughs> I mean, y- y- you should fail at something. As an artist, if you don't fail on a daily basis, you are failing as an innovative, creative individual. Yeah. Because you're not pushing the envelope. You're not trying hard enough. You're doing the same thing over and over again. That's sick, If you do something you don't make a mistake, pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. You've done it before or you're lucky. Boom. But th- that's the whole thing. You've got to push failure and, that, and that, that's the reason there are last looks and that's the reason there are you know ahead of use that's the reason there are you know something wicked this way it comes that's the reason that there are these these milestones in any industry especially in the mini trucking industry that you know Sean Carlson was not afraid of failing. You know he didn't think why well, can't build a race car for Ford in my parents garage. No, when Ford came over he was actually having to move his sister's bicycle out of the way <laughs> to show them the car in his parents' garage that was blowing away all of these major design dudes and these major engineering geniuses. And he was blowing them away, you know, um, in his parents' garage. Most people would see like, oh, I can't, I can't do anything until I've got a bitch in shop with urethane floors in an office. And, and no, you know, that's all secondary. That's like the, that's like the, that's like the, um, the covers. That's not what you're going for. That just that happens and if it does say thank you, be polite, be appreciative and go on. Otherwise, you can fail by actually embracing your successes and holding on to them too long.
0: Man, this this is this is true advice, man, from an OG. I mean, I'm telling you, you could we could bottle this and sell it, Craig. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, but it's it's great advice, man. It's it's thank not you. not just for the for the enthusiast, man, but one thing on the podcast, we try to bring positive energy and this is, these are things that can help you, no doubt, in your career, you, starting a business, things like that. So, I mean, listen, I love to motivate people. Music motivates me. But I'm telling you, this hour and a half has just – man, I, I'm, like, ready to start a business, man. I, I really – I got to also <laughs> high from this. I, I really do. Um, I do well, want – I do want to mention before we end here that, of course, you know we mentioned N.R. Carl from No Regrets, his S10 with the Star Wars theme, insane. That was on the cover of Grindr TV. So our friend Brian, and then also mm-hmm. a good friend of ours we've had her on before, Holly from Forbidden Fantasy. We love her Nissan that you guys painted uh, the full size uh, extended cab. She yeah. drove that to Slamfest, which is right here in our backyard in Tampa. Oh, which- she she's. Is-
1: She's prolific with that truck. She drives the heck out of her truck. She's a real mini trucker, even yes. though that's not quite—it's not quite mini. Yeah, she mm-hmm. she embodies the effort. You know, it's like that's the nice thing about mini trucks. There's not too much trailer trash. When you know, the only reason we trailered the last look around is because you can barely fit two people in it. You know,
2: yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I
1: remember people saying it didn't. People at SEMA were making when they first saw it at SEMA when we when we had it there. Uh, they were making jokes like, well, that thing doesn't run. And then Dion just did like a standing smoke show down the street with it. which was just so <laughs> freaking killer. But uh, cool, it was a lot of, you know, that's a great thing about it is that I think out of any custom industry or out of any automotive industry out there, I believe mini trucking was always the most real when it came to like, this was built by this person, or if not, at least it runs. They're very, there always is trailer trash in every single group, but, but it always a uh, it always mini truck and it was always more legit to me and and of course you know in house at our shop we have lamby who is the embodiment of mini truck and he's like our guru i mean he actually has a museum in his garage at at his house that's got uh bits and pieces and parts of of long lost mini trucks not to mention all of my old patterns for all the mini truck windows i ever did which i think is about 50 different club window patterns he has and he's the owner of Pinky, you know, the you know, which has been uh, in the magazine numerous times. No, it's so not a lifted shark, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Pinky, Pinky is the, the he has a lifted forerunner that's all graphiced out, but Pinky is the slammed, a um, uh, Tacoma.
0: Oh, okay, okay Tacoma. I gotcha. Okay,
1: with the leopard had the leopard print, in the flames.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm and gonna so, have to look uh, around. We've had up. it at
1: SEMA, yeah, we've had it at SEMA a few times, and he's been uh, uh, he's been a member of Freaks of Nature for a while, but before that, he was uh, I, I, I lose track of him
2: yeah
0: no I got you well listen i I added you on Facebook, and I just want to say i mean it's this has been uh, it's easy to say this with each interview, but I mean it's really been probably my favorite interview that I've done no disrespect to everyone else I mean we've had you know we had you. we've had Courtney's mom on uh what a wonderful woman Maggie that she is mm-hmm. and we've had Jeff Davey and Sean Mahaney and so many others, but you know to really the the candor that you have and like I said I slapped hands with you at Sema and you know you weren't hey I'm I'm above this guy who's this you know Jabroni that that you know just reads me <laughs> like you really you know you you treated me like an everyday dude man and like I said it took us a little time but I think you'll be thoroughly impressed how we put this together and uh, the listeners are going to love it I'm telling you they're going to eat it up and it's well it's, I, it's I hope awesome.
1: so and I I've had a great time. You had some good questions here. One one last thing. Sure. Uh, I still have my original website out there. Okay. It, I haven't updated okay. it, so don't get butthurt. If you look at it, it's not – I haven't updated that thing. I don't even know if I have access to it anymore. <laughs> but it's called it's, – it's gotpaint.com. I remember that Now, that, that website – exactly. Gotpaint.com is still up, and you can go through. There's a lot of pictures in there, a lot of old CMA coverage, a lot of stuff in there. It takes you a while to go through all of it, but uh, – and it's not even been updated for probably eight years, right. but it's still got a bunch of old stuff. And that website has been up. It's never been down consistently since 1994. Sick so if you dude. think about it, that is probably one of the oldest custom paint websites out there. <laughs> because I don't know of anyone that had a custom paint website that was around before 1994. That's still up. I mean, I, I wrote it back then. I think there's still elements of the beta version of front page still. Somewhere in that freaking website.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, and really quick because I'm on it right now. I I, I run a page because I'm a huge Dooley fan. You mentioned them earlier, but I run a page called C30 Addict. And recently, you know, like I said, I've got a huge collection of trucking magazines. I was sharing yeah. old, you know, tech articles and stuff, and literally, I'm gonna have to tag you because I. Well, I'm going to have to look back, but, like, I'm looking at the Dually, one of the renderings you did back in the day, you know, on this site. So, it's, it's, dude, this is this is great, and I haven't been on this site in a long time. I did used to go to it because last look was obviously, you know, there were some of yep. the Scott paint, you know, that was in some of the, I think, the ads. But, I mean, dude, it's been a pleasure. It really has. I feel like I've known you a long time, and I think you're a great person. You've, you've got a lot of skills, man. I will definitely say that. But besides what you just shared, was there anything else that you wanted to share with the uh, OLP podcast? Uh, podcast listeners
1: no just uh yeah i really appreciate you guys' time and hope i didn't talk too much i tend to do that but uh if anyone uh, ever wants to come by and check out cow concepts fair syndicate or say hi to me on the website go for it i i'm also at a, a number of different comic cons and different events uh whether it be d23 or or like monster Paloozas, anything that has to do with uh that kind of stuff and you can you can check out Usually I, I I'll mention it on my website uh, or on my Instagram page. But go ahead and follow me on Instagram, Devon Von Frazier and our Craig Frazier Studios, and let me know what you think. You know, I'm always trying to do something different, a little bit new, but I, I know where my roots are. So for I sure, have respect for that.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, and I'll be back out at SEMA this year. It'll be the third, fourth one I've been to. I know I haven't been to the most. I, I definitely know that, yeah. but. But I'd love to just think up with you for a few minutes, you know, get a drink and and just you know, chop I it up. I actually,
1: for a minute. I actually won't be there this. SEMA. I thought you were going to say is, that. Is, I know it's. it's not that I'm avoiding you. No, it's this is the <laughs> last year was my 25th year at SEMA. Wow. And um, and I I, I deserved a break.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: you, so you do. And literally. And it was, and I was bummed because I've been wanting to get Carl's uh, truck in there for the last two years, and then all of a sudden it got in this time. I'm like, ah, but I've got actually another gig. I'm doing another job uh, that's at the exact same time. I'm actually probably not going to be in the country. So,
2: gotcha. Uh,
1: but gotcha. yeah, I'm I'm bummed, but uh, yeah, you'll be uh, yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I think 25 years, 25 years. I think I'm allowed to have a break. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. Well, listen, tell your wife we appreciate the time. I know it's kind of cutting into some family time here. And listen, we'll be in contact. We'll tag you, and if you want to share it. We'll We appreciate that. But listen, man, we got a lot of respect for you, Craig, and we hope you have a great evening, brother. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.